Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Pastor Mike did a great job last week of talking us through how to finish well, right? I mean, that, that, that illustration um, of the marathon in St. Louis, just a great, great illustration of Felix and that whole deal. And, um, you know, it's so funny because as he's talking about that, I'm thinking of another running thing, right? I don't know what it is, but, but for some reason, there was another runner that I'm thinking of in that moment, and I'm going to challenge you with this thought. Does anybody know who Dave Waddle is? Oh, look at this. Man, Royanne, I'm impressed. Like 1972 Olympics in Munich. Dave Waddle. Kind of a crazy story. But Dave Waddle, uh, at the U.S. Olympic trials, two months earlier, um, he was in the, you know, he was trained for the mile. He's a, he was a miler, and, and he, he had to do a speed day workout the day of the 800 meters for the Olympic trials. So his coach is like, well, just run the 800 meters um, just as your workout. And he won. He wasn't expected to go to the Olympics in the 800 meters. In fact, he wasn't like on the radar anywhere in the world in the 800 meters. Shows up at the Olympics. Uh, he qualifies for the final at that point in time. There's eight runners. The gun goes off. And he's immediately in last place. <laughs> like in the first 100 meters, he's from here to the tree. Beautiful Christmas tree, isn't it? January, like it. Um, so he's from here to the tree in the first 100 meters, and it, he, he is in last place. No one between him and the, like, he is that far back in the first 100 meters. But look, there's something about that. It's not how you start. It is how you finish. It's also how you run in life, how you run the race to win the prize, obviously, but we're going to talk about, like last week we talked about finishing well, Pastor Mike talked about that. This week we're going to talk about what does it take, what are some things that are practical to get there. We're not going to talk a bunch of them, we're actually going to talk about one, but when you think about that, you, you look at Dave Waddle, and, and I, you know, I wanted to show you the video, and I couldn't get it quite to work the way I wanted it to, but, but Dave Waddle is in last place through the whole first lap, 800 meters is only two laps, He's through the, you know, he's barely catching up to the people at the end of 400 meters. Finally, as they're getting into the 500 meter around the bend, he begins to, to get up and he passes one person, but he's still a ways back. He's got to pass six people. And you hear as the, and, and, and the, the, the commentator, and I'm trying to remember his name because he's iconic and I don't think it was Chris Schenkel, but it may have been. And, and just listening to his voice, and he's like, he's in a good position. I'm like, he is not in a good position, right? He's got to pass six guys. Um, and he, he keeps going. The other thing you don't realize, as I tell the story, is he was injured between the Olympic trials and the Olympics, and he wasn't able to train well. 
He was very short on mileage and all those things. So, so as it comes down to it, in the last hundred meters, he's, he kicks and he's got to pass. He's like in fifth place and he's got to pass people and trying to get there. And like, you know, at first you're looking at it going, you know, he's going to medal. He, he's got a chance to medal. He passes some people. But he literally, and this was the Cold War, right? So the arch enemy of, uh, I know the Cold War is probably over that point, but still at that point, the arch enemy, even, even in, in the Olympics, was someone from where? <laughs> and he was the favorite. And doesn't Dave Waddle edge him out by like 13 one-hundredths of a second? I mean, it literally looks like about that much he wins by. Uh, and he just, it, it, and, and it's so funny because he wins. The other thing about Dave Waddle is he wore a baseball hat, <laughs> which is sort of funny for a runner. He would have won by this if he ditched the hat. But, but, but he, he gets there and he wins. And there's zero reaction. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not like celebrating crazy. He's kind of like <laughs> walks around. I don't know if he's stunned. I don't know what. I don't know what it is. But but the point of that whole story is his start was terrible. But he kept doing the things he knew he needed to do to make up ground, and he just kept going. And that's the story of God at work in our lives. See, it's not about our start. It is about our finish. But our, in order to finish well, it's about doing the things we know we need to do and the habits that God wants us to employ and the discipline to employ those habits on a regular basis. Right? And the, there's a number of good habits that every follower of Jesus should employ. Read God's Word regularly. Right? We know that. Worship God individually and together with other believers. Gather together with other believers for mutual encouragement and strength. Stewardship, giving, right? Giving is an important part of honoring God with our finances and being good stewards of our resources. And finally, the one we're going to talk about today is prayer. I know that some are thinking, oh, no, I don't want to talk about prayer. <laughs> Because if you're typical, if you're like most believers, this is a place that people struggle. Struggle with the idea of prayer. I know I need to pray, but I just don't feel like I know how. Or discouragement comes in the midst of prayer. Nothing happens when I pray. Where is God? In the midst of those moments, why am I not seeing the response and the answer that I think I ought to see? Right? I mean, that's part of what we struggle with. We struggle with, with prayer. And I want to take you to Psalm 20 this morning. And I think it'll bring us some encouragement. It seems to be a great prayer for us to pray, some things in there for us to pray in moments of our lives. So let's look at Psalm 20, verse 1. It says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary 
and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. As we read this, a little background on on Psalm 20. It's, It's a psalm of David. We see that up in the little header, David, King of Israel. And he won many battles. But it's interesting it's sort of like us a little bit. When, when it seems that at the time of, a, of an impending military campaign, it was not unusual for the king, the people, and the army to seek divine assistance through prayer, fasting, and even temple worship, right? They would gather together. Look, we see that, that the king, David, was offering sacrifices. He had brought gifts to Jerusalem. He, he was trying to celebrate God and, 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 and worship him. It was not unusual for the king to do those things. It was not uncommon for them to be there. But, but in the original setting, this psalm would have functioned as sort of a pledge of loyalty by the army to their ruler before embarking on the military campaign. But isn't it just like us as well? That in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of crisis, to cry out to God. Things haven't changed a whole lot in a few thousand years. God hears us in our crisis. God also hears us as we prepare for things. As we prep for our future, as we we are entering into seasons or whatever it is, and he hears us as we just live our lives, just normal kind of everyday kind of, he hears us all the time. The truth is that God wants to hear from us in every situation we're facing, in crisis, in preparation, in the normal everyday kind of stuff of life. In reality, Psalm 20 is a, prayer for the future. It's a prayer looking forward. They're not in the battle yet. They're looking for what's going to happen. And if they're going to enter into battle, what do they pray for? A very wise prayer, if you're going to go to a fight, is protection, (laughs) right? Verse 1, in times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. It seems that every new year brings with it some level of questions. If you listen to the news, you'll hear all kinds of predictions. The stock market's going to go up or down. Gas prices, well, I mean, at this point, the only one direction it can go, I think, is up. But, you know, I, I thought that I would read a little something from George Wood. 
uh, who was the general superintendent of Sons of God. And interestingly, I wonder what year this was written. What kind of year will this be? From the economic and political and international scene, the prospects don't look all that encouraging. I don't see anyone predicting that the millennium is going to start this year. The thousand years of peace when the lion will lay down with the lamb. It looks more like the bear is trying to swallow up some people. Will we have continuing economic recession? Maybe even a depression? Will interest rates get worse? Will we have a recovery? What about the international situation? Will Iran plunge the Middle East into war? Will one of Israel's neighbors attack it? Will trouble break out somewhere else in the world that none of us at this moment even envision happening? What year do you think he wrote that? Let's go for 1981. <laughs> what, 38 years later? <laughs> and the storylines haven't changed much. It's so interesting to me that you, you, you see that and, and, and we walk into a new year and we go, what kind of year will it be? What will we face in our world today? Look, there's been some changes since 1981, but interestingly, that same question, those same questions seem to arise over and over again. I know it's not perfect, but there's an awful lot of that that seems so appropriate for today. So as we enter the new year, what kind of year will it be? What, what kind of future are we going to have? What kind of future is there going to be for the church, for Topeka First? What, what kind of year will it be for Topeka First and all of our campuses? What is it going to look like? I believe God wants us to ask him for help for our future. Just as he wants us to ask for help, for your future. Like our future as a church, our future as a congregation, our future is as, as a group of followers of Jesus, but I also believe he wants to, you to ask for help for your future. Like for you personally, what are you facing? What challenges will you face? Some are facing questions about Future things. You know, for some, they're facing career decisions, medical decisions. You know, I know for my daughter, having a conversation just a you know, week or so ago in the midst of Christmas break, what, what about college? What is that going to look like? What am I going to do? What does God want me to do? What, how, what is he calling me for? So, so many other people, these were her words, so, so many other people, it seems so clear to them. I just don't know what God wants me to do. So, so facing those kind of things, that's the things that God wants us to ask him for. Truth is, we're all going to face decisions in this year that we probably aren't even thinking of at the moment. That's why we're praying for our future. God is interested in your future and helping you navigate it. 
ask him for help. How do we make up for a not-so-good start? Call out to the Lord in the midst of it. Call out to the Lord in the midst of everyday situations and connect with him and trust him. But, you know, I know that so often we're sitting here, we're thinking, why would God care about me? I mean, I'm really not that important. I failed God so many times. (laughs) I want you to know something interesting about this passage of Scripture. The prayer is this. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. (laughs) Now, I don't know it's you, but like if I'm going to invoke a name of the Old Testament, one of the, the guys that are heroes of the faith, I don't think he's the first on my list. Why? (laughs) Well, Jacob's name means deceiver. (laughs) I mean, like, Jacob is in the midst of adversity and struggle all of his life in the early years. I mean, he's a twin and he's grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. He comes out of the way, gets the name, and the name really sort of means heel grabber, (laughs) deceiver. And it's in this, there's this struggle. He's a maneuverer, right? I mean, constantly in this manipulation, wheeler, dealer kind of guy. I mean, that's just who he was, right? He, He... Basically cheats his brother out of his birthright. He deceives his father into his brother's blessing. When he spends 20 years with his father-in-law, Laban, even though Laban himself is somewhat of a wheeler dealer, Jacob emerges victorious with more wealth than when he left. But but Jacob's still afraid, right? So he's still afraid. After 20 years, he's coming back and he's going to have a meeting with his brother Esau. And what does he do? He sends gifts on ahead. See, even though he he thinks that God is leading him, he, he still doesn't trust God completely. So he's sending all kinds of gifts ahead, trying to, like no one ever gives gift to kind of appease somebody that they... You know, we don't ever do stuff. Jacob sent all of his stuff across the river. His family, everybody. He remains alone. And that night, God meets with him in person, wrestling with him. All of Jacob's life up to that point was a life of struggle. Struggled against his father. He was never the favorite kid. He struggled against his older brother. He struggled against his father-in-law. He was going to struggle against many of his children. And he struggled that night with that man. 
And he wouldn't let him go unless he blessed him. The man finally names him a new name. Calls him one who struggles. Calls him Israel. David writes, may the God of Jacob protect you. Jacob tried so many times to do things on his own. A little bit like we often try to do so many things on our own, trying to eliminate God out of the equation. We want to do things on our own. David probably reminding himself that there's a Jacob-like character in every one of us that tries to fit circumstances in a neat package. If we can just maneuver enough, manipulate enough, we can get it all together and everything will go our way. In spite of all that that Jacob did, God overrode what he did and God still blessed him. And God still cared for him. But his whole life would have been better off if he had not tried to maneuver his way in the first place. God is simply telling us in the time of our distress, turn to him. Cease from your striving and rest in what God can do. What he will do for us. The second thing to consider about this prayer for the future is where does the help come from? Verse 2 says, may, the, may he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. What was the sanctuary? At this point, there was not a beautiful temple. There was a tent. The, the tent contained the Ark of the Covenant, literally giving the people confidence that God's presence was with them. Today, our sanctuary is not in this building. I know we call it our sanctuary, but the sanctuary is where God's presence is. God's presence is with us always. It isn't limited to Sunday mornings. We need to recognize and realize that the sanctuary today is wherever we meet with God. Even though he's always present, even though he is always with us, he wants us to meet with him. He wants us to come to him. Prayer is a part of meeting with God, as is reading your Bible and allowing God to speak in there. Look, God hears. (laughs) Thank God he hears in the midst of the SOS. Thank God he hears in the midst of the prayer when we are in trouble even though we've not communicated with him for days, months, years, whatever it has been, it doesn't matter. But how pleased God is that we have a sanctuary in our heart where we meet with him on a regular basis. 
when things go wrong, we generally know how to get things fixed. Right? How many of you, if your car breaks down, you just look at it? Just leave it there. Uh, if the car breaks down, we know we got to get it fixed. We've got to fix that. We, we have to do something. We take, take the mechanic, call a friend. Uh, you know, if it's just a flat tire, you know, we change the tire or call somebody to change the tire, whatever it is. We know how to get that fixed. If something breaks in our house, we know how to get that fixed. If we have a medical issue, we generally don't call our friends. If your friend happened to be a doctor, I mean, we're not calling our friends. You're not calling me for medical advice. It's not a wise thing to do. Okay? I'm not very good in that world. And if you're bleeding, please don't call me. I'll pass out. Okay, I'll just... <laughs> sight of blood and I'm gone. All right? It's just... Uh, it's ugly. Look, if your teeth are messed up, if you're having tooth pain, you're calling the dentist. When things go wrong, spiritually... So often what we do is we back away from God. We feel embarrassed. We stay away from help. God wants us to come to him in the day of trouble, to find help coming from the sanctuary of meeting with him. Right? He wants us there. This week, I want to challenge you with spending some targeted times differently in prayer. Right? You, you may not pray for some of the things that we've got listed out here on a, on a regular basis. In your bulletin, you've got a little insert. Right? AG work week of prayer. So today, pray about your walk with God. Right? That's what this is about. This message is about your walk with God. It's about strengthening that to, to do the things that need to be done in order to be the person that God wants us to be, that we will finish the race well. The thing that's going to sustain us in the midst of difficulty is our connection to God. So prayer is huge in that focus. Pray for God's wisdom and guidance in the coming year. Pray that you would personally grow in your devotional walk with God. Pray for God's blessing on your life. I mean, I think those are great prayers. But each day, taking just a moment, praying for something specific, praying these areas, because we're going to do it collectively over the next week. We're just going to take time. So each day, the, the deal is, hey, we're going to know that our, our church family is praying these same kinds of prayers. And we'll culminate the whole thing with next Sunday night with the prayer gathering here from 6 to 7. I don't know what it would be like if, if all of us, not just this service, because I know you guys are probably by percentage more faithful in prayer than our second service. But what would happen if all of us just started to spend just a little more time in prayer every day than we currently do? Just a little bit more. 
If we, if we walk throughout our day with a regular conversation going on with God, look, it's not uncommon for me to be walking through things in my life and in my day and just sense I need to pause and pray. To have this conversation that's ongoing with God throughout the day. But we also need these moments where focused prayer. We have to do those things. There's also going to be just some group of people, just some people who said, hey, let, let's, let's get together Monday night at 7 o'clock. So some of us are going to gather right here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock just for a time of prayer, just, just to gather, just to say, Lord, it's the beginning of the year. We're just going to talk to you. No pressure. We didn't, we didn't advertise it. Saying, look, if you want to, come. Which is the same thing we're going to do with next Sunday. Look, if you want to, come. We think it'd be great to gather. But there's a couple other prayers here, and one that we're going to focus on as we finish up. In Psalm 20, verse 4, may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. The downside of a verse like that is so often we start with that. Right? We start with that. We, we go, oh man, may God grant desires of our heart. May he make all our plans succeed. Right? We want to go right there. The problem is, we forget the context of that. We forget the context of that prayer. Think about it in the context of the king. Because that's, that's who they're praying for. That's who they're, they're praying for and they're asking God's help for is the king. We all know David. David had a little bit of issues. David had some failure in his life. We don't want all of his heart's desires granted. We don't want all of his plans to succeed. Now, do we? Because there were times in David's life where he went off the rails. But if David has been spending time in the sanctuary, if he's been spending moments with God, if he's got his heart in the right place, God is going to purify his desires. He's going to purify his plans. And he's going to help them be right. The same thing is true for you and I. If we're spending time with God, if we're in his sanctuary, if we're listening to his voice, when we come to him and we're, we're getting a sense for what his, his desires are and his plans, we're going to have the desires and plans that God is wanting in our lives. And in that moment now, you're praying the prayer, may God grant you the desires of your heart. Basically, people are saying, if he's a good king, if his desires are going to be for the welfare of the people, not selfishly, give me this or that, but, for, but a welfare for the entire kingdom of which he's been called to oversee, then the king's desires will match what God is wanting. God grant those as he leads us into battle. And I know it's hard to understand. It's hard for me to sometimes grasp all that goes on in that, in that, 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 that tension 
of God wanting people, the children of Israel, to take over and to conquer areas. I know it's because of the sin of people. I get it. I, I it, you know, it's still part of that because it, it's sort of from this this psalm as well that that people kind of you know have come up with with England. God save the king. Give us victory, right? That, that's where it comes from. And, but, but we must believe that God is with us in our future days. Not just collectively, but individually as well. God is with us. Let us not be pessimists. Let us not be like those who are going to push the panic button all the time. Look, do we trust him or do we not? Are we going to be uh, Jacob trying to figure it all out and trying to fix it? Or are we going to just trust God to walk with us through all that we encounter? Let's believe that God has walked ahead of us in this new year to prepare a way for us that we can trust him with our future. And that when this year is over, we can do what they were doing in verse 5, I believe it is. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. Like at the end of this moment, at the end of this year, could we be ready to celebrate what God is doing and what he has done? Both individually and corporately. Because that's what God wants. God wants us to come to the end of a year and be ready to celebrate all that he's done in us and all that he's done together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray, Lord, that we will trust you. We will listen to you, Lord, and that you will do great things in us, both individually and collectively. Lord, that we will set aside moments of our lives enter your sanctuary, to come to your presence by our initiative and not in crisis. But if we're in crisis, we're going to come then too. But Lord, I'm praying that all of us will, will find those moments where we will just commune with you, just connect with you, just to experience who you are, that it will enable us be strong in the midst of difficulty in the midst of the battle to trust you in the midst of the crisis to know that you're with us that we will be able to finish well that we will employ the discipline of prayer in our lives of communion with you connection with our creator Heavenly Father, our Savior, our soon coming King, our Deliverer, 
our healer, our salvation, our hope. Lord, may our eyes be drawn toward you. May our minds and our hearts connect with you. May we come to the end of the year and have a shout of victory for what you've done in us and through us. In Jesus' name.